calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to podcast number 138. I'm your host, Chris Tilly, this week, and I'm joined by Stuart Reed. Hi, uh, and Keza McDonald. Hello, you're sounding very sober this week, Chris. I'm always sober. <laughs> I I've been off the booze this year, pretty much. I see. Um, and we are joined by two special guests this week. Our two new voices we have our work experience man, Luke Carmali, even. Hello. And our movie star extraordinaire, Joey Ansar. Hello. Uh, um, so uh, this week we're going to be talking about a variety of things. Uh, Kapow Comic Con that was this past weekend, uh, some news involving Diablo 3 and G.I. Joe 2, uh, the Bond trailer, and the various games and films coming out this week. But first off, maybe we should introduce our guests. Uh, Joey, tell us a little bit about yourself. Wow, where do I begin? Um, vital statistics. <laughs> um, well, I am an actor. First Wait, aren't, aren't you from the films? You're definitely from the films, right? I'm from the films, Excellent. yeah. Films in which I normally die in, which has become a reoccurring thing. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, a, I'm an actor and more recently a filmmaker and kind of an action specialist. I, I, I wear several hats. Uh, most people will know me from the Bourne Ultimatum as the Blackbriar assassin Desh that gives Jason Bourne a good run for his money in Morocco. That incredible rooftop fight sequence. Yeah, exactly. And it's... um, it. People never seem to get tired of it, yeah. and um, yeah, it was a it was an honour to be part of that franchise and contribute to that. And I was young; I was twenty three when I did that, you know. So that was kind of my big break, so to speak. And um, I've been plugging away ever since. Um, and you've got a big movie out next week that you pop up in. Yeah, Snow White and the Huntsman, which comes out May thirtieth in the UK. Um, yeah, very exciting, very big project with probably some of the, the hottest kind of current Hollywood talent yeah. in the game at the moment. And I spotted you in the trailer kind of leaping over a dwarf in, in a fight sequence. Yeah. Is that fun to do? <laughs> it is. It was that move. That was originally never planned. And I thought, come on, let's let's have me <laughs> go upside down over a dwarf. And the irony is that's the shot they've, they've put in the trailer, you know. Awesome. They say sex sells, but flips also sell, <laughs> yeah, evidently. Definitely. Flips over dwarfs. And dwarfs. Yeah. Dwarfs sell. Dwarfs dwarf, dwarf sell. 
Cool. Well, we'll I, thought that tra- I thought that trailer looked awesome, by the way. Yeah. I just saw it before, um, before my third viewing of the Avengers. I saw that trailer again. I thought, Is it your kind of movie, Keza? Yeah. It's got, it's got fairy tales in it. It's awesome. <laughs> and, and, uh, and massive action sequences, which are also awesome. Yeah. Basically, it's two of my favourite things. Yeah. I'm going to sit, I'm, I'll sit for the dwarfs because I like pretty much every actor that's cast as a dwarf. Yeah, what a cast. Yeah. Insane. Nick Frost, Ray Winston, Ian McShane, Toby, Toby Jones, Jones, Eddie yeah. Marson. Johnny Harris and Brian Gleeson. Yeah, it's kind of like how I imagined Snow White to be when I'd had far too much sugar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we'll come back to Joey in a little bit and talk about his plans for the future. But uh, Luke, tell us about how your work experience are. Three weeks, is it? You've been here. Yeah, this is week number three. How's that going? Um, really good. Um, got to play a bit of Trials Evolution, which is always fun. Um, and other than that, helped you guys out of Kapow, which was awesome. Um, just learned a lot. Been handling news mainly. Um, and um, working on a couple of features to do with MMOs and things. Which yeah, been... you'll have seen Luke's name on quite a lot of the news we've had up because with Daniel out of action, Luke's been stepping up to the plate, as it were. Yeah. yeah. Talking a lot about Diablo. Yeah. It seems a, a lot of people are pretty interested in that game. Yeah, this yeah. week it's been, yeah, quite, it's quite been quite weird. happening with it. Well, mm. I think more on Diablo in just a moment. Eh? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so uh, we normally talk about what we've been up to, but there's one thing that we've all been up to. All this been last up to the week. same thing. We have. We have. Yep. Which is having sex with our sisters. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. What? Oh, hang on a second. You meant the other thing, didn't you? Yeah. Oh. And then after that, we all uh, did Kapow Comic Con. So we all felt like it was a bit of a success, didn't we? Brilliant fun. Yeah, yeah, had yeah, a good time. Mm. Good fun. I was going to ask each of you maybe what your highlight was of the of the weekend. Luke, what, what did you enjoy doing? Um, well, I really enjoyed um, talking to Gareth Evans about the raid um, and getting to hear about he's going to be involved with the American remake, um, which is a reassuring thing to hear. Um, and the fact that there is going to be a sequel, that was good. And then talking to Peter Serafinowicz a bit about Dark Souls. That was all right. A bit yeah. about Dark Souls. That's quite a bit. Peter Serafinowicz talked for about three hours about Dark Souls. Yeah, I was, inter- <laughs> yeah. I was interviewing him and I nearly nodded off. Um... <laughs> You should, um, you should have just just sounded the klaxon. I would have come running. <laughs> yeah. The Dark Souls klaxon. We're, I can usually hear it when any person talks about Dark Souls within a six mile radius. <laughs> uh, we're talking about the raid. You saw the raid, didn't you, Joey? Being being an action expert, what what did you make of the the action in that one? Because we've gone on and on about it on this podcast. Yeah, let's get an alternative view. Um, there's been a lot of hype. They're almost Avengers had a lot of hype, and the raid had a lot of hype, and both of them lived up to the hype. Yeah. Um, and it's really interesting because, like, the spearhead of, of, of where the hottest action's coming from in the Orient has kind of moved around. Hong Kong is all but dead, bar Donnie Yen. There's very little coming out of there. Mainland China still does the big epics. Then Thailand with Tony Jaa and, um, you know, Pratcha Pinkau, who directed Ong Bak and Tom Yung Gung and stuff. Um, that was the hottest stuff, and now it's moved to Indonesia. So it's interesting how kind of Southeast Asia is um, seemingly leading the way. And I thought it was great. Um, not just for the martial arts performance. Obviously, that's the first thing everyone's looking for. How good are the fights? How good is the actual technical ability and the stunts and all that stuff? But just the direction and the cinematography. There's so many shots in that. You think, how did they do that? And you know it wasn't. It wasn't the Children of Men film where you know, okay, a hell of a lot of CG budget, you know, VFX mm. went into that. You know, there's some practical solution to how the camera's moving through the floor and, and these continuous shots. And uh, when you see the behind the scenes, you're like, wow, now this, this is the kind of filmmaking that's all but lost from Hollywood, you know, ingenious practical solutions. And I take my hat off to Gareth Evans, who yeah. did, a, did a really good he job. Did a good job. 
And he was um, a cool dude as well. Apparently. Yeah, no, very, very nice. Very down to earth. Nice Welsh boy, mm. like yourself. From, from the valleys, like me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stu, what was your highlight of the weekend, apart from sitting in a little office editing videos <laughs> for two days solid? Uh, highlight farting, of... farting a lot. <laughs> I did not. It wasn't you, was it? <laughs> every, time, every time we walked into the editing suite, someone farted. <laughs> that, that really <laughs> smelled interesting. Office. It was that <laughs> whole office, the outer office, smelled it even worse. It was really bad. Yeah. My, my favourite yeah. bit was um, everybody, everybody thinking that I worked for the business design centre and everybody coming and asking me questions <laughs> which is which is fine because at one point this really hot cosplay chick who was dressed oh, like vampire a female chick. vampire yeah. in, in, a, in a in a business suit and um, I chatted to her for a couple of hours and the, next day, and the next day she came in again and said hello which is nice that's lovely. and that was my highlight so hot vampire chick hot chick with a massive pair of bosoms grooming grooming, grooming. Yeah. Thought you've been grooming was her she, I think she was grooming me <laughs> was she the only one you said oh yeah I work for I own the business design centre yes exactly yes. This, this is my I gap. am the BDC <laughs> uh, Kez what did you enjoy doing apart from Peter Serfanovitz talking about Dark Souls which I wasn't actually there for and would definitely have been my favourite moment I really enjoyed Alex's um Batman panel. Yeah. It was really good. We had a nice little kind of post-mortem-y chat with Rocksteady about how they'd done Arkham Asylum and what and, and all the kind of difficulties they'd had with working the election. was pretty cool. Oh, no, you wait, oh, shit. you've done it again. No, no, get back, get back. We're going to start that again. It's all right. I'm just going to bleep that. Okay, good. Okay. Uh, yeah, spoiler over. Massive spoiler, <laughs> spoiler bleep. Apologies. Um, but yeah, actually, the, the Rocksteady did spoil it in the middle of the panel for anybody who hadn't seen the end. Mm. So that was, that was good. Thanks, thanks for that. And did any any kind of newsworthy stuff come out of it? Or were they keeping their cards close not to their really. chest? really. They wouldn't no. talk about anything interesting. They reiterated that they're not working on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, much to my disappointment. Because mm. that would be amazing. But yeah, no. that would have been great. They, Is there a new TMNT game coming out? Activision's got the licence, but no one's... As far as I'm aware, I don't think anyone's working on it. But okay. there was a rumour that the people who'd done Batman Arkham City, and that would have been and so imagine good. imagine a dark one. I want to see an Eastman and Laird, like, yeah. original Turtles... Vision. Sorry. I'm just I'm imagining literal turtles, like <laughs> going really realist with the whole thing. Yeah. Put little bandanas on their wee faces. Yeah, then get them scripting it and take just it back to its roots. Yeah, nunchuck. I mean that. With the, even <laughs> on the, the TMNT subject, with Michael Bay's, you know, producing it, I really hope because those original graphic novels, the black and white ones, they all had the red bands. They were taking off limbs and foot soldiers were being diced up and shuriken and proper ninja stuff. That needs. That's the coolest yeah. story, you know, and everything going dark and epic now. You know, yeah. what better time to take Turtles back well, to its roots? Well, Chris Nolan's not going to be doing any more Batman's. Let's mm. let's get him on Turtles. Yeah. Yes, surely gritty origin story. I was hoping for Ken Loach. Ken Loach. <laughs> yeah, I think he'd do a good mutant ninja turtles. I watched the new Ken Loach last night. Any good? It was good. It yep. was good, but it was a bit more mainstream. So maybe he is slowly moving into. <laughs> by, the, by the time he's 140, he'll do a blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we uh, we all enjoyed Kapow, I think it's safe to say. And we had a lovely meet and greet with some of the readers, which went went well. Although I was watching the football, so I didn't really talk to anyone. <laughs> I was also Apologies. watching the football. Yeah, we, we were all watching the football, That really. did go on a little bit longer than we anticipated. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we got a lot of bonus, yeah. really a lot of bonus football. <laughs> but it was good football. It was good football. Yeah. Well, the yeah. last, well, the last, last, yeah, yeah. last 45 minutes. It depends if you're a Spurs fan. It's probably not. <laughs> but yeah, it'd be good to get people's feedback as well. Tell us what you thought about Kapow. Mm. Um, email us at IGNUKfeedback at IGN.com or IGNUK on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, next up, a bit of news. Yeah, Shadow of Colossus. Uh, we've, uh, you know, they're doing a big, big budget adaptation of that big, big screen 
big movie kind of thing. There's now a director attached to it, and uh, I'm quite pleased with it. It's uh, it's uh, Josh Trank who did uh, Chronicle. Yep. which we all quite liked. We yeah, thought it was pretty good. Like so that's a, that's a safe pair of hands, as they would say. Because mm. he's also, I didn't realise, but he's a big gamer as well, isn't he? He's a he massive, massive game fan. So so that's quite pleasing. Could be but a yeah, hell Chron- of a film if they get it right. Chronicle yeah. was great, but very low budget. Yeah. I mean, this is going to have to be huge. Yeah, yeah they can't, movie, they can't make Shadow of the Colossus on cheap. No. no. But he no. did manage to make a found footage film look anything but stale, which yeah. is, you know, quite an achievement at this stage in the game. Yeah, so. yeah. Well done him. Well done him. So I think that's good. And, you know, it's, it's, it's Sony behind it, so I, th- I think there'll be budget there for it. Um, and one of the guys, one of the producers did, uh, I think, Scorpion King, so they, they know their visual effects. Yeah. So, yeah, this bodes well. I reckon they're just trying to distract attention from the fact that The Last Guardian is never coming out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> could be. But could, some, could, other, could, some other news as well, apparently he's, he's in the running for the um, Fantastic Four reboot as well. Yeah, Ooh. yeah as soon as people started seeing Chronicle, his yeah. name got being thrown around for that. I don't. Why? Wasn't it? It's only like six months since the the last um, Fantastic Four movie. There, how can they reboot it already? Yeah, I, no. I really enjoyed those two movies as well. The two Fantastic Fours. Yeah, I thought they were great fun. They okay. were they were they were much lighter in tone than a lot of the superhero movies that were out yeah. at the time because everything was really you know origin stories and really dark and very gritty. And these were just kind of fluffy and a bit daft and just entertaining. I think with the superhero movies, though, really making so much money now, we're going to see stuff rebooted every five years now. Yeah, I guess so. It's not yeah. going to stop now. With, with obviously, Spider-Man's the first one where it's happening mm-hmm. very, very soon after. I think it's going to be a until Until they really start losing money, which doesn't look like it's happening. No. Mm. This is a cycle we're in now, and that's mm. just going to keep... There's the X-Men film as well, isn't there? The next X-Men is yeah. out next year. Everything. Yeah. I'd like to see them doing some of the new characters, so, or some, some different characters rather than... Sticking with the sort of big six or seven, mm, it's it's just it's business, isn't it? They're not gonna they're not gonna risk it. Yeah, brand awareness, you know, yeah. isn't it? But I would love to have seen X Men done by Joss Whedon. Yeah, that level of jack up the powers and let's see carnage happen. Yeah. That and that's how X Men for me should have been done. I think Brian Singh is a cool director, but I found his versions of X Men way too muted. All the powers were kind of stripped back. Yeah, and um, you know, you anyone who's into X Men, Colossus's optic blast can punch a hole through a mountainside. Well, I haven't seen any of that. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> anywhere near that displayed in the. I suppose you did dial it down a bit. I like the pacing. I like the I like the formula of the first two X Men movies, though. As mm. as as cinema, I think I think they work sure. really well. I mean, they completely balls up the third one. The third one is just yeah. really awful. That was rushed into production. That one was but, it. But the powers were jacked up in that, so you lost mm. yeah. cinematic storytelling. But I thought. Wolverine is actually stabbing people in the chest. That's what I want to see. And, and that know? moment with like Professor X when he like is pinned against the ceiling and everything in the house is just kind of crumbling. I yeah. mean, it's incredible CGI. Um, and yeah, no, that was that was fantastic. So yeah. more of that with the story from the first. Mm. Well, they've yeah. got they've got the X Men versus one. Avengers comics happening at the moment, and we we were bugging them, weren't we? You, you were yeah. at that panel trying to get them to see if they'd do a movie one day, but apparently it seems unlikely because um, well, Fox has yeah. all the rights to X Men, and um, Marvel retains the rights to Avengers, so. It's unlikely to be a crossover, especially yeah. with the reboots and everything. Unless they all on. figured out a way that they could all make a shit ton of money off the back of it with Joss <laughs> Whedon directing. Yeah. Mm, well, well jo- Joe Quesada said like um, uh, he's amazed that they managed to make the Avengers work with so many big like powers and everything. So how the hell did shove in another like twenty and make it all work? <laughs> I feel like anything's possible now. <laughs> but like, what what's the deal with the rights? I mean, will Marvel Studios ever reacquire the Wolverine or X Men rights, or it's in perpetuity as long as Fox keep? 
rolling out and exploiting the brand. Yeah. They just it's a roll Fox on option. It. Yeah, as far as I know, Fox have got it from here on in. So yeah. they'd have to they'd have to make them an offer they couldn't refuse. Yeah. But you never know. I mean, with the you know the Disney and the Marvel and Paramount, they've all figured out. Yeah. Deals are making things work. Like but yeah. you say, if there's enough cash on the table for everybody to have a fair whack, yeah. I think mm-hmm. they, they do it. Or for everybody to have a giant bath of money. <laughs> yeah. It's well, probably spe- the yardstick. Speaking of business. Speaking uh, of giant um, baths of money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a rather big business has been taken this week by Paramount. Um, <clears throat> G.I. Joe Retaliation was due to hit theatres on June 29th, but it's been pushed back nearly a year. Whoa. Oh. Um, and... Th- so that they can convert it to 3D. Oh. <laughs> Rookie mistake. Uh, the, the official line from Hasbro is, uh, they say, it is increasingly evident that 3D resonates with moviegoers globally, and together with Paramount, we made the decision to bring fans an even more immerse, immersive entertainment experience. Sorry, it run, literally run resonates. Again. Are they, they, they're saying that it re- resonates, 3D resonates with, with the paying public, yeah. which, is why, which is why 3D films are now making less money than ever. Well, Battleship in 3D made a lot of money overseas. There's some thinking that uh, it's something they're going to bring out. A 3D film outside America makes a lot of money. What, even here? Money is a questionable thing. Well, yeah, I I think, you know, surely that's because what America does now we tend to follow. I can't Mm. can't see 3D maintaining that popularity outside of America. What I heard is that there's a massive rollout of 3D cinemas in Russia and China oh. happening next year, so they want to capitalise on increased overseas sales, sure. and that's a big right. That makes a lot more. Pro- that makes right. a lot of sense, doesn't it? And plus, and don't quote me on this, mm. uh, it's a Hasbro Paramount uh, team up. This film is, as was Battleship, and Battleship globally didn't do great based no. on what the outlay. And I'm thinking that maybe they don't want two huge money losers on their books in the same year. For their no, shareholders, so financial move rather yeah. than a kind so of. So if they push it to next yeah. year, because the footage I saw, I've seen of it so far hasn't looked very good. I think they're panicking a little bit. Have um, you seen two D or three D footage? I saw three. No, I saw two D footage because right. they haven't done it yet. Yeah, this is the here's the thing. You want to make a three D movie? Yeah. Just an idea. Shoot it in three D. Yeah. yeah, shoot it in three yeah. D. Well, not, not a single one of these shots will have been made with three D in mind. So it's yeah. You know, I don't know what to expect from that. But Avengers, I preferred in 2D. I saw it yep. twice and yeah, went yeah. into it. action scenes were too busy. Yeah, because right. you get that strobing effect where you can't focus yeah. with any kind of camera movement yeah. with the 3D converted stuff. And I'm one of the 10% of people that can't see 3D properly at all. Oh, at all. So you're Yeah, it's really, really bad. Anything that comes out of the screen just splits in two for me. So I'm like, oh, well, this is good. Well, you're missing <laughs> nothing, Keza. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of things getting delayed by a year, um, the XCOM FPS, which is supposed to be coming out this year has been delayed until next year on the other hand the remake of XCOM is coming out on October 12th what so that's good do you know XCOM Stuart I'm confused by what you just said aliens they invade the earth it's one of the best games ever made no no not that bit but the bit about the the what when is it what's coming out when two XCOM games are on the cards right now yeah we've got one one is a a kind of reboot that's a first person shooter well, not a first, a shooter, anyway. Okay. And that has gone very quiet for a while, mm-hmm. and everyone didn't know what was happened to it. And now it's been revealed that it's not—it's not going to be out before twenty thirteen. Okay. Which is oh, twenty fourteen, even. Twenty fourteen. Yeah, maybe as late as that. Wow. So way, way back. 
That's another one of those games that's just been put back and back and back. And, and there's back been so back. many of those in the last fortnight. Bioshock and Tomb Raider. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's also 2K as well, so mm. same as Bioshock. So I don't know what 2K are planning for, uh, <laughs> for 2014. Well, speaking of put-back games, I worked on a game called Spec Ops The Line. Yes. You guys, I did the mocap for one of the main characters. That's finally coming out quite soon. Yeah, and I worked on that for four years. <laughs> wow. On Jesus. Four Jeez. years. And... I think it's been in the making for half a decade. I it mean, has, it's, yeah. As you know, it's very story and kind of moral choice driven, which is quite interesting. And I, I think the narrative is kind of like Heart of Darkness based. Yeah, that's what they're trying to do. Wow. And it was cool. And we trained. They actually flew over a current active US Special Forces major that we worked with and consulted on all the Delta Force drills and stuff. So that it was a really cool experience it's four years making a game and it still Jesus. hasn't come out so i was wondering if you guys had any up, up, updates on yeah, that. finally coming out the yeah. end of this year yeah, actually pretty soon actually finally coming out for the atari st <laughs> <laughs> i think the problem they were having is that they had a really big ambitious vision for it and they just couldn't it couldn't make it work for ages mm. and ages and they didn't want to release it if it was not, yeah. not good enough we had a guy go over to berlin to the studio to see jaeger and uh, yeah and um yeah, go go look at it, and apparently it's it's looking pretty good. Although they've done the the PR thing where they've just shown too much. Sure. Like every week they show you something new, and you just get really bored of it. So yeah. by the time it comes out, I think people are going to be like, oh. We've <laughs> seen the sand mechanics. Yeah. I'm yeah. over the sand. Seen the sand. <laughs> well, I've, heard, I've heard some of the mocaps not very good either. <laughs> <laughs> One character in particular. I wouldn't say that in this room. Stu, take your life in your hands. It's true. That's it's finally coming you out, Joey, then for a future podcast when it does come out. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Give you inside spoilers on what did and didn't make it. If you could possibly do some mocap for XCOM and let us know how that's getting along, that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. that would also be. Yeah, I was going to be an infiltrator, us. basically, yeah. to yeah. find out what's going on with these games. But obviously, there is the other XCOM game, which is the remake of the original, the strategy game, which mm. is popularly considered one of the best games ever. Ever. With an A. Um, so that's coming out on October 12th. I'm really excited about that. It's mm. going to be great. Cool. And have we got some Diablo news? Is that right? Yes, we have much Diablo news this week. Um, first of all, there's been an increase in the number of accounts that have allegedly been hacked and um, people have been raging at Blizzard because they lots of people have wanted it to be offline, um, and it's an online-only game, yeah. and people have said that this this would never have happened if they'd made it offline. Um, but that hasn't seemed to really have dented its popularity at all, as it's meant to have sold 6.5 million copies and is now officially the fastest-selling PC game of all time. Wow. wow. Good grief. That so, is really a lot of copies. Mm, yeah. So in a something week. like 3.8 in the first... 24 hours, 3.8 million, and everyone's saying that this is now ushering in the era or the dawn of a new era of PC gaming. Well, mm, I agree with that. Out. I was wondering about that. I was wondering about this, you see. Mm. And is it ushering in a new era of PC gaming, or is it just that there aren't that many PC exclusive games? So when one gets released, all the PC owners will just go out and buy it anyway. This is true. I mean, it's quite exciting because. I think we see a lot of kind of console games getting a lot of big news, and the PC's been quite quiet for a while. Yeah, since of, since really about two thousand and seven. Yeah, wasn't it? like you know, I mean, StarCraft came out what last year, and people were quite excited about that. But you know, it's quite nice to see the PC still getting some love. Yep. Yeah, still having its fans. And obviously, the, a, a lot of the indie stuff on PC is getting more and more interesting. So it's good to see kind of AAA returning. Mm, I think yeah. in a way, that's got everybody's attention. Like Diablo Three's got everybody's attention. Doesn't matter whether you play COD or you're, you know long-term PC strategy fan. Everyone knows about Diablo. It's better than Modern Warfare 3. And people are very, very pissed. <laughs> Everything is better or worse than Modern Warfare 3. <laughs> yeah. Everything. 
literally everything <laughs> i put up a preview about an obscure pc game called a game of dwarves and the first comment was dwarves are better than modern warfare 3 <laughs> i think we'd all agree with that yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a fair point <laughs> yeah they made massive sacks of money out of it out of diablo 3 already well that's good but to people know. are really pissed off with it because of the always online stuff and because yeah. the hacking isn't great either obviously yeah but you know it's to stop um it's digital rights management isn't it and also the fact that um I mean, Blizzard has quite a, a track record with Warcraft and things of sorting things out, and a lot. And there's no evidence of anyone who's got one of Blizzard's authenticators um, being hacked yet. So, so the, the, the authenticators, how, how do they work? Do you have like, a, is it like when you log into your bank account? Yeah, give you like a code? it's pretty much the same thing. I mean, you get a single-use code that lasts for two minutes from it being generated, and you can either download it free for your Android phone or your iPhone. Um, Otherwise, you can buy a physical one from Blizzard that has a shelf life of about 10 years. Yeah, just use that every time you log in. And it means someone has technically a two-minute window to right, log okay. in like, if they have your code. So but do that if you have Diablo 3. Yeah, very safe. all your stuff stolen. Okay. Can Ooh, I give it that? advice. Mm. Helpful podcast this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, Imagine. So that was the news. Yeah. Uh, now we're going to move on to trailer of the week. That this week, it's uh, trade all time. By this week is uh, Skyfall, mm. which is Ooh. very exciting. Something we've looking forward to Skyfall. for a while, seeing yeah. what Sam Mendes is doing with James Bond. So let's have a look. Here we go. Country, England. Gun, shot. Agent, provocateur. Murder. Employment. Skyfall. Skyfall. Done. Some men are coming to kill us. Kill him first. Now then. Do you know what? There were less money shots in that trailer than in usual action movie trailers. Yeah. That's good. But that is good. Yeah, you wouldn't ruin a shot the of Daniel Craig walking seemingly into a courtroom and killing anyone who who, who objects to him. I like that <laughs> yeah. shot. Looks like he's been. Co- That's a dream sequence, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's obviously a scene of a man walking away from explosion. Yeah, oh, looking, very brown. looking very heavy-ish. Men don't look at explosions. No. They walk away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it did. It, that 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 fell at the end though. Looks like the Joker walking mm. away from an explosion. Mm. It really does. It's got to be Benicio del Toro. What happens if yeah. an action hero looks at an explosion? Gets blinded. They'd never make another one. He's Chuck no. Norris, or he's yeah. dead, basically. <laughs> <laughs> that, I tell you what I did like. I like the tube train yeah, plowing yeah. through yeah. the wall. How exciting is that? Uh, yeah, and that was all real. That was all practical. Yeah. That guy was on set that day when they shot that. Wow. It says out of surface, the tube, I noticed, so that's good. So no one died. <laughs> good. But good. Um, that's a cool stunt. Do we know what line it is? No, I've, I was trying to. My, I'm trying to work it out. I they think. did rebuild. They did rebuild a whole section of tube platform, though, and have some on-set tube trains, so I wouldn't be surprised if that shot was not done on a listed building's foundation. (laughs) (laughs) I think we agree, it looks pretty awesome, though. Yeah, it does. Yeah, Yeah. Like, wait and see what Sam Mendes is going to do with it. I like that that motif they used of using the gunshot as a a tempo. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a nice touch. Very nice. Mm. I think the the moment that kind of got my attention was all the coffins with the Union Jacks on them. Yeah. And there's, I don't know where it is, but in some Bond law, there's kind of its claim that there's there's nine double O agents with Bond being number seven. And yeah. if you notice, there's eight coffins there. Mm. So I don't know if it's leading up to something big to do with that. 
because it's M standing over them could in the be. background. Could be. There's all these rumours about Judy Dench, aren't there, as well, about this isn't going to meant to be her last one and all of that. Oh, I hope not. She's good. Yeah, well, rumour has it that she might not be alive for much longer in the... In the Bondiverse. Spoiler alert. You think mm, they may go alert. back to a male M? Roger Serka, Roger Moore. That would seem a Roger shame. Moore. Yeah. Bit unprogressive, isn't yeah. it? Regre- mm. Indeed, regressive. Well, like, shouldn't she really be an F? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Wow, very good, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> Just thinking. Just thinking aloud. Just putting it out there. Um, um, David Arnold's not doing the music this time either. No, who would they say? Is it Thomas? Thomas Newman. Thomas Newman. Yep. So who? that's going to be refreshed. Who doesn't do a lot with brass, I'm told. Doesn't he? <laughs> that sounded wrong, didn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> the instrument. So it'd be all interesting right. to see if they are going to change it at all mm. for this one. I guess we know Sam Mendes is going to be good with the drama, you know, the man who did American Beauty and Road Expedition. But I wonder about the action. There's, there wasn't a lot of action in there. Have you heard anything, Joey, on the grapevine? Well, I know that, I know, you know, various stunt guys working on it. Uh, Gary Powell, the stunt coordinator, I know well. Um, so I, I think there's some pretty crazy stuff has been performed. Yeah. For some reason, I have a feeling that Sam Mendes is actually going to capture the action really well, not in this manner that we've all grown to detest where you can't see or appreciate yeah, any of it. Yeah. For some reason, I have a hunch from what I've seen that yeah. this is actually going to be... He's He's someone that's like, I want to show the action. Even that beautiful shot of Bond or whoever's body that is falling down the thing and the, and the silhouetted... Uh, sniper position shots. I'm liking visually what I'm seeing, you know, yeah. with the action. Um, and it's nice that Bond hasn't got soft because, yeah. you know, they established in Casino Royale, he's, you know, bristling. It's like Wolverine just fresh out the Weapon X program all bloody, you know, yeah. charged up. And you think, oh, maybe he's going to get a bit more under control, but he looks as feral as ever in doesn't this, he? doesn't he? Yeah, and he's got a beard. Yeah, that's how thoroughly looks. So it's interesting you say, you know, about about the. Are you not a fan of the really rapid kinetic cutting of, of a lot of modern uh, action movies? Not at then? all. Ironically, being part of the reason that's the case in Hollywood. I mean, in Born, Greengrass kind of pioneered that, and I think it works in Born films because the whole film is shot like that. Yeah. All of it is shot in this very kind of floaty camera, odd framing where you're not seeing all of people's faces. Mm. And Paul Greengrass's rationale is he's like an impressionist painter as opposed to someone that does beautiful photo real still life. It's about giving you the essence of everything and not the fine detail. Mm. Um, so the fight in Bourne and the way it's shot and edited is completely in line with the way the rest of the film looks. Mm. But w- the copycat reaction that happened afterwards is you have films shot in very classical cinematography and then it goes into this frenetic... I can't see anything fight sequence yep. and that's a real issue you know it's I have I have a big issue because from a performer's point of view if you could see most action teams previs all the the action sequences so you can see an early edit of from the choreographer's point of view how they would have it shown and sometimes it looks amazing and this is with no fancy cameras or you know sets and then you see the finished thing in the film and you're like this looks 50% worse. Mm. How, how is it possible that something shot on a 5D in a gym looks better than something shot with, you know, five different cameras and shooting high speed and jibs and cranes and it's moronical. Yeah, yeah. 
That is the word for it. So what we're saying is slow it down a bit. Let's see what's going on. Yeah. I, I don't know anyone who says I want comes out of a cinema saying, oh, I wanted more quick cuts in that. And I would like to have been more confused by the action. Worst <laughs> film I ever had to sit through uh, was about, I don't know, five years ago. And I can't remember the name of it, but it was this low budget British thing set in a newsroom. And they, they, they cut every the half a second. They had the, lots of TV stars yeah, in it. Every half a second yeah. for the entire duration of the film. Yeah. And it was fucking unwatchable yeah it was I, I walked out halfway through yeah. people were leaving in droves because it was just it was just making people feel sick yeah yeah that was part of a trilogy that was as well I don't think did the, the other two ever no, come they, they, made, they made two of them that was the second one and they never did the third right yeah just slow shit down yeah yeah it's 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 pretentious and and some of the directors responsible oh it's you know this is this is my vision and it's just like no you're playing copycat yeah if Bourne hadn't done that that wouldn't be in vogue and yeah. the director wouldn't spontaneously think I want to cut every second yeah. you know I think there's a balance like taking a fight if the two fighters are doing stand up fighting and they're punching and kicking and, it, and it's full body combat pan out a bit and see it. When they crash together, then the camera can crash in. That's the kind of way I would shoot. If two characters crash together and run and smash into a wall, have the camera run and smash into the wall as well yeah. so you get that energy. Yeah. Or maybe if they hit the deck, have the camera operator hit the deck with them, boom, so you still get that feeling like you're kind of in it, experiencing it with mm. them. Mm. So when it's gritty and up close, the cinematography can get a bit more gritty and up close yeah. and shaky. But when it breathes out and they're checking each other out, let the camera breathe and see it. So let the cinematography suit suit the pace and tone of the choreography, not just one size fits all. Yeah, you know, and that's that's the issue. Does yeah. this come from TV? Because a lot of TV action action series have, have done the, the extremely quick cut things as well. Is, is that is that an influence from Bourne or to Bourne? Um, I think Bourne jacks it up to a whole new mm, level. Yeah, didn't yeah, it? I do yeah. Twenty four kind of was copying Bourne yeah. a little bit. Mm. Mm. That was a similar style. 24 is what I think about when you talk about the quick cuts. Yeah. So I, can't, I can't watch that program. So ultimately, it's all coming back to it being your fault, Joey. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. But then I'm, I'm the man to fix it. And that's uh, what, what. Oh, yeah. That's oh, good. Interesting stuff. Now, uh, let's have a look at the uh, movies and games that uh, have been out uh, in the last couple of weeks or so. Uh, firstly, we'll check out the movies and we'll see what uh, what's happened with regards to box office. Uh, the three big movies uh, out at the moment, I guess you would be The Raid, the Avengers and probably the new Sasha Baron Cohen the dictator so the raid doing pretty well a new entry at number five and for you know a relatively low budget movie that's done just over half a million in the first week on release in this country 600k, or so 600K weekend, which is Good. pretty impressive but amazingly the uh, the dictator has gone straight in at number one even though it's had very mediocre reviews. Everyone wants to see whether it's bad, though, don't they? I yeah. reckon. Yeah. I'm going to see it tonight. Have you guys all seen it? I've not seen it. Have you no. seen it? I haven't. I, I'm I avoiding no, it. I have no intention to. Quite really? I don't want to go yeah. see it in a cinema, to be honest. I don't want to pay to see it. I'll watch it when it's... I'll go rent it from the Blockbuster or whatever. You'll still be paying for it, though, won't you? Yeah. Yes, definitely. Obviously, I always pay for my movies. <laughs> and never, ever download them like a naughty person. Because that would be illegal and bad. And nobody should ever do that. Defiling the industry. <laughs> just, just you're, staring you're, at you're me. You're blushing. <laughs> 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 oh, big oh, no, movies wait, coming no, out this week. Uh, well, Mission uh, Men in Black Three, which I've not heard good things about. Unfortunately, it, yeah. it's a it's a sequel too far from what I understand. 
which is a shame because I love the first one. Second one was okay, but I think it's just you know it retreading tired old uh, formulas now, isn't it? Anybody anybody particularly interested in Men in Black Three? <laughs> I've heard that it's lost a lot of pace, yeah, and just a lot of kind of the sensibilities that kind of made the first one so great mm. about being so tongue in cheek, and this one's a bit more well, just a bit weird, I think. Mm. So. Another movie that's out has had a brilliant trailer, but I don't think it's going to be up to much, and that's Iron Sky. I've seen some good reviews of that. Really? Yeah. I've seen a couple. I've, I've been paying attention to it. <laughs> you like <laughs> because the it involves Nazis moon from the dark Nazis. side of the movie, yeah. Yeah, because that's awesome. Um, I've seen some good reviews. Some people really loved it. Yeah. Isn't there something about it only being out for a short time, though? Why? Dunno, I don't know. I thought it was only out for a little while on, on cinematic release. Most things are, aren't they? They go straight to Blu-ray and DVD within a, a two-month <laughs> window now. Pretty much. Pretty bad. And finally, uh, I, I'm really looking forward to this Moonrise Kingdom, the new Wes Anderson film, which I have on good authority is his best film since Royal Tenenbaums. So that is exciting. Nobody else is excited about it. <laughs> I don't know. I've never, I've never heard the words Moonrise Kingdom. Cast, Bruce Willis, yeah. uh, Ed Norton. Yep. Um... Tilda Swinton. Yes. But Wes Anderson's one of those directors who keeps the same people around him all mm. the time, isn't he? So Bill Murray's back in it, of course. Yep. It's going to be it's going to be good stuff. And it's about, instead of being about kind of uh, childish grown-ups, it's actually about proper children, this one. It's about two little 12-year-olds who run away. So That sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. I think I've so sounds sad, Luke. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to upset little children who run away. Well, hopefully it's not going to be like any of the. I'm definitely other... not going to see it. No, now. Listen, it's listen, listen. It's a Wes Anderson. Me. It's a Wes Anderson movie, so they run away whimsically. It's fine. Oh, okay. Yeah. That sounds quite joyous, actually. I'm back, I'm back on board. He's back it's not going to be. Pa- don't worry. It's not going to be Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, oh <laughs> God. God. Oh It'll be God. Fine. The flashbacks. Oh, <laughs> horror. Oh. <laughs> what about games, Kez? It, we're having a weird pre-E3 rush of video games. Ooh. Loads of stuff out. We had Dragon's Dogma. And Ghost Recon Future Soldier and Dirt Showdown and Mario Tennis Open and Sorcery all out this week. Yeah. Um, of which the interesting ones are Ghost Recon Future Soldier, if you're mm. into intelligent shooters. Is yeah. it Alex, good? Alex really liked it. Yeah. Our editor-in-chief reviewed it this week. Gave it an 8.5. Sweet. Mm. Yeah. I, I think it looks pretty cool, actually. Yeah. I, I really like the um, Rainbow Six games. Um, I'm not, yeah. not too into the old Modern Warfare mm. slash battlefield kind of minute to minute shooting but I quite like this, the um, slightly More strategic ones yeah, 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 yeah. it's got a very good like tagging system that's um, taken from Splinter Cell Conviction and mm. it's really really good and it's, it makes it quite tactical and the AI is spot on so no, it's, it's really great good. in co-op awesome. as well because you're, yeah. si- you're sitting there having to say like on oh, my mark how yeah, one shoots. It's How fantastic. Cool is it's one of those that co-op is actually harder than single player. Really? Yeah. You, because you need that You need to be on it. Yeah. You really need to be on it. Yeah. yeah. So that's great. And then Dragon's Dogma is a flawed but still really interesting RPG from Capcom, uh, which, I mean, there's a lot to say about that, but just suffice to say, read the review. You might want to buy it. It's not that great, but you might want to buy it anyway because it's got lots of really cool ideas. Like what? I like... Um, I should know. I cut the video review for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's got this really cool kind of Shadow of the colossus um thing where you if you're if you're a kind of, you can climb up monsters and yeah. kind of stab your sword into fleshy bits. But the really cool thing about it is it's a sense of adventure. Like it, it sends you off basically into the wilds. You, you start off in in a, in a city, and if you want to go do a quest, it's not like you just wander off and then you know fast travel back to town. You literally have to walk all the way there, and that can take you a day. And then if night falls, you're like shit. I really need to find some shelter because bad things come out at night, and you have to go hide in some shelter in like a. And so you're looking, and there'll be like a kind of castle, and there'll be some lights on. You'll be like, oh god, please be friendly. <laughs> you walk 
walk up there and then you'll see a massive ogre and you'll be like, oh no, I'm going <laughs> to die out here. And yeah, it's, it's very difficult, but it's got that kind of really cool sense of, you know, actually going somewhere and being yeah. somewhere. And, and it, it, that kind of makes you want to forgive a lot of what's wrong with it because there's quite a lot wrong with it as well. Graphics. Graphics. Graphics are Graphic wrong. glitches. And also it's got some really kind of just crap user interface stuff. Like it's just really hard to control and it's really annoying sometimes. Also, the fiction is so bad. It's got the worst story and characters and this is in video games, all right? So <laughs> yeah. the bar isn't that high, let's be honest. And it's just got the worst, the worst. And everyone talks like, Prithia risen, something terrible isn't has befallen my daughter. You know, in, in like two minutes, you've gone from loving this game to... <laughs> yeah. to well, that's the thing, that's the thing. But that's kind of why it's interesting. That's why you might want to buy it, guys, because it, it inspires this kind of like, oh, this is fantastic. But then also you're like, no, that's just that's shit and I hate it. And you have the kind of weird love-hate relationship with it. And watching that reaction play out in real time, I think, was a treat for all of us in the office. Yeah. <laughs> the rage. Fuck you. You ogre! <laughs> yeah. Fuck you! I just got eaten by a fucking ogre! Luke, you weren't here when she was playing Dark Souls. That <laughs> was a treat. <laughs> For that, oh, little great. frog, what are you doing? Oh my god, you're eating my face! <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Are you friendly? Are you friendly? No, 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 you're not friendly! Yeah, that was good. That was entertaining. So yeah, those are the two interesting ones from there. So if you're going to see uh, Men in Black 3, Iron Sky, Moonrise Kingdom, or if you're going to play Dragon's Dogma, Ghost Recon, Future Soldier, Dirt Show, Myra, Tennis, Open, or Sorcery, uh, let us know what you think of them. IGN UK feedback at IGN.com or hit us up on Twitter, IGN UK, and Facebook, IGN UK as well. Let us find out what everybody's been saying this week about what we were talking about last week. Well, on the back of Krupa's unfortunate accident, we have a piece of feedback from Liam Murphy, who says, I felt the need to share this when Keza said to send him funny broken bone stories. Brilliant. It's going to be a good week of feedback, isn't it? <laughs> as a cricket game, when we were off the field, I was playing football on a mini field. Was that football? Football. He's playing football. <laughs> Um, I managed to simultaneously get a concussion and break my ankle because I ran headfirst into the crossbar of the mini posts. It was a tad embarrassing. The good thing is, though, if you get concussion, you wouldn't feel the pain from the broken ankle. That's true. You'd be out cold. So it wasn't all bad for you, Liam Murphy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We got another one here. I spent college summers working at a local water park. After hours one day, we decided that a game of water slide American Gladiators would be a good idea. Six of us tried racing up the massive slide, not making it far, and knocking each other off in the process. I made it 20 feet up, swiped someone's legs out. He fell and landed knee first straight onto my no longer straight pinky finger. While having a broken finger, all summer was crappy. On the plus side, we didn't get fired, and I made it out of the water before I passed out. (laughs) (laughs) That's only a finger, though. Although although still very Small victories. Well. That's from uh, that's from Adrian in Puyallup in uh, near Seattle. Puyallup, what a cool name! P u y a l l u p. So good luck pronouncing the city name, and then he put it in phonetics for me. And that's the only reason I know it was called Puyallup. Otherwise, I would have said Puyallup or something like that. <laughs> something stupid <laughs> something like stupid. that. Stupid. We've got Josh off of Dartford. Who um, off of Dartford? Off of, off of, off of, them Dartford. Off of the telly. That's where, that's where he's from. Um, he says, hi, when I broke my collarbone, I had to stay off school for months. So I ended up going to the midnight release of Halo 3, where I got free pizza and my legendary edition of the game. How did you make it there with a broken collarbone? You can. You, you're, I broke you someone's collarbone once. You broke someone's collarbone. Yeah, it was an accident. <laughs> it was a girl, was a yeah, girl who was. said no, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it was an accident. It was many, 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 many years ago when I was, uh, when I was on the radio. And w- we went to this fucking fate or something like that village fate and they had those massive inflatable sumo outfits that oh. you get into oh, right. and inflate danger, and so danger. me and one of the production assistants decided we'd have fun with that and uh, I just knocked him over and broke his collarbone 
Wow. Ouchie. Ouch Bleak indeed. doesn't know his yeah. own power. It's true. I do. I just keep it on the lowdown. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is from Kevin Patterson. The IGN UK team. Cole Comfort here with just a little American follow-up on Glory Chasers. Oh, yeah. This oh, is, yeah. Uh, yeah. We were talking, was it last week, about, about people that, that only support football teams when they're being successful. Yeah, like people from America who support Manchester United, we decided was okay. But people from Scotland who supported Manchester United, we decided wasn't okay. <laughs> we basically set out all the rules, Joey. We did. We, we did. did a good job. Okay. Well, it says here in the States, we call them fair weather fans or bandwagon fans. Mm-hmm. You often see them supporting the Los Angeles Lakers, footballs, Dallas Cowboys, basketball, Chicago Bulls, and the New York Yankees. Anyway, he says, I myself grew up in the New York area, so I'm a fan of New York and New Jersey area teams. But since raising my kids away from there, I understand that either they'll support my teams and be seen as fair with the fans by outsiders, or they'll support the local teams He's and face up daily kids. harassment yeah. about their choices from me. You have screwed up your kids. Well yeah. done. Congratulations. <laughs> But he says, keep up the good work. <laughs> so even though you don't believe in him, yeah. <laughs> he believes in you. This is oh, one of the difficulties, though. Like, if you're, like, um, my my Scottish family stayed in Scotland, as we should. But if I had a family, I might not be in Scotland. And then I'd be like, right, kids, we have to support Scotland in the football. And they'd be like, but we suck at the football. And it's really horrible to watch us lose at the football all the time. And I'd be like, well, we have to support us anyway. And if they didn't, I'd be mortally offended. I love the way you call it the football. The football. The football. The football. That's necessary. That's how you see it. That's <laughs> why well, I moved across to rugby, living, being from Wales. From Got Wales. more of a chance of actually Do you know, winning. when I was a kid, Scotland was all right at rugby. Oh. We went and saw them lift the cup at Murrayfield and then they sucked. Yeah, they just nicked it, that's all. Pretty much. <laughs> they, they'd stolen it. Okay, right? this is from Thomas Whitehead. Where is from London? That's here. I know. Is wow, he it's within the <laughs> vicinity. Is, is that you? Look down the back of the sofa. <laughs> he says, on the subject of who watches the extra features on a Blu-ray anymore, oh, I notice yeah. Stu's sad cynicism of the process of making films is always so dull. Um, Me? These days, Cynical. Cynicism. Always filmed in front of green screen. Come on, Stu, it's not that bad. As there's a great deal of real sets are still made by great teams of designers and craftsmen who are not yet a dying breed. I yep. recommend you watch the extras on the Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol Blu-ray, where you'll see some of the insane real stunts that were carried out in real locations with very little touching up in post-production. The story of the logistics of these kind of films is still, I think, as fascinating as it ever was in the dim and distant days gone by. Yeah, I, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. I think what I was basically saying is a lot of the making of... Uh, things you get with with dvds and blu-rays they're just puff pieces these days they're not they don't really get into the nuts and bolts of making the film when you think of the uh, the making of documentary you get with uh, with the shining for instance which was which was made by kubrick's daughter wasn't it that's an absolutely fascinating insight into how he works but so many of these directors commentary or or extra bonuses you get on dvds just aren't they're just they're just a bit yeah. dull. i was thinking about this in between what we talked about last week because we just mentioned it in passing the only ones I really like are just exactly what you say those 90 minute ones about a film I really, a film I really yeah, love yeah. you know that really goes into the before during and after of something like Back to the Future or Jaws or something mm. I'm really passionate about yeah. but you get so many of these featurettes about the effects that I just find a little bit boring once you've seen one you've seen them all about mm. a bloke on wires and 
a bloke in front of a green screen and yeah yeah Stuart th- Riley's written as well he's saying pretty much the same thing hey guys you're talking about DVD extras and the subject of director's commentary arose uh, pretty much all of you slammed it immediately well although this is true for many films not all director's commentary is shite take Tropic Thunders for instance the director's commentary there which is pretty damn brilliant but in contrast the commentary for Zombieland is shite Woody Harrelson and Jesse Eisenberg can barely get a word in edgeways through what the director is saying so to summarise the director's commentary options on DVDs are a bit like games on the pre-owned shelves in game shops there's a sea of shit, but there are some, some wonderful nuggets of gold. All the best from Big Stew. Does anyone else have nuggets in their, in their shit? That doesn't sound good. <laughs> well, if I've been eating sweet corn, yeah. Mm. Or Can't McDonald's be. without chewing. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a boss in Conqueror's Bad Fur Day, which is an N64 game, which is called The Pooh Monster. Yeah. And you have to step on the chunklets of sweet corn in its, uh, in its lair. Keza, what if people are eating while they're listening to this? <laughs> Don't eat while listening to the IGN UK yeah. podcast. That's the lesson you've learned. All right, I've got an email from the writer formerly known as Just Harry, um, because apparently that's all he used to put on his emails, but now he's Harry the Humorous Gamer, apparently. Okay, well um, done, Harry. We'll so, be the judge of that. Yeah, yeah. he already seems unfunny. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's, um, first of all, he wants to say thanks to Keza for telling him about Full Metal Alchemist, and he thinks it's great. And he also wants to ask for some advice. He says, hey, IGN, planning to get a 3DS, what games would you recommend to get to start with? I'm going to get Mario Land and One Piece Ultimate Cruise because I find One Piece great. So what else? Not even joking, get Nintendogs. What? You don't have to be a girl to enjoy Nintendogs. What the what now? It is the greatest game on the 3DS. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I've spent 50 hours on it. Why? That's, what that's not something you should be mentioning yes, in public. Yes, it totally is allowed. I'm <laughs> proud of my passion for Nintendogs and cats. Well, I am... Um... It's just a grooming simulator. <laughs> <laughs> it literally Calify. is. Calify. <laughs> grooming coming up again. Yeah, yeah, this, really so much this is the grooming podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, as someone who played the 3DS for the first time the other night, Zelda looks amazing. Looks very tasty. Yeah, in 3D. Do you know uh, an interesting fact about the 3DS? I has helped produced all the live action elements of the whole launch campaign for the 3DS. They, really? Because two of the launch titles at the time were Resident Evil 3D and Street Fighter. Um, Nintendo's marketing bods decided they wanted to do live action ex- walkthrough experiences at all oh. the pre-launch events that I went some to of you that. guys. Mm. And so Capcom said, look, it's more difficult than it sounds. There's one guy who's done this Street Fighter thing who I think... So in the, I had about eight days to pull the whole thing together. And it was <laughs> about 13 shows in six different cities, wow. some simultaneously, leading to the big launch night in London. So if any of you guys came to any of those <laughs> things, there was almost like a, a live Street Fighter fight yeah, thing. Yeah, I, I, I had a fight with Ken. You get a picture taken. I did get a picture taken with Ken, although yeah. I'm doing a stupid pose. Really? Well, <laughs> I thought it would Ken look good. Ken wasn't your mate. Yeah. Ah, oh, what's his name again? Christian Howard. Christian. Yeah. I know Christian. There did you, you get? Did you have a picture with him? In I a have a picture pose? with him, but it's when we were drunk in the Phoenix Artist Club, rather than. Was he dressed as Ken? No, he oh. wasn't. <laughs> That's disappointing. He should have been. <laughs> but this might be a good a good moment to ask you about Street Fighter, Joey, because uh, if you regular. Uh, visitor to our site a couple of years ago we put a video up that um an interview with joey because you made a short did you not would you like to tell us a little bit about that um i made a short called street fighter legacy that um i guess a pilot promo was a proof of concept or a snapshot of my vision of what street fighter should be in live action and it did really well i mean on the official channel the official channel we've had 
like nine million hits. The video itself about four million, and I'm finding other channels that are hosting it with millions of hits. So it's and it's got a ninety eight point eight percent approval rating on YouTube, which is a, a rare a rare thing that indeed. Is very rare. Yeah. Um, but, but traditionally, it's only kittens that get that. Yeah. 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 But tra- traditionally, Street Fighter hasn't been great in movie form. So no. what, did, what did you do different? I just did it right. <laughs> I mean, look, the whole motivation, the whole kind of genesis for that, literally the story goes like this. Myself and Christian Howard, who played Ken, who is the living incarnation of Ken, <laughs> just anyway, he was destined to, you know, to be that, that character. Born with the shock of golden hair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of and, and a bandana. Fist. <laughs> yeah. um, Came out fist first. <laughs> but he, um, we're huge Street Fighter fans and we lived together for many years. And we would play Street Fighter daily. I mean, it was just a day wouldn't go by where we wouldn't put in a good hour of Street Fighter. And when the second, when Legend of Chun-Li came out, and I can see what they were trying to go for. They thought, okay, the first film was too cheesy and campy. Let's go for like more of a serious story that's following a character that's got more of a narrative. But then in doing that, they went completely the other way and removed anything that resembled Street Fighter. So when that came out, I just thought something, this is the last straw. Something needs to be done. And you begin to realize by that point, working in Hollywood, I'd already done porn. You realize that these projects come about by a producer seeing the captive audience, a game like Street Fighter has, seeing dollar signs. They go and get the license from a company like Capcom. A company like Capcom doesn't make movies. They make games and they market them. They do that well. Mm -hmm. So they don't have, if a big a big film producer's coming to them that's got a whole catalogue of films. Well, they trust, okay, this person knows what they're doing and deal is done and this is how these films come. But you realise you could categorically go through the list of the director, the producer, the writer. None of them probably play the game, Mm. know anything about the game. And these are the people in charge of creating... Yeah, something on based on one of the most popular iconic video games of all time. It always seems to be painfully obvious whenever you actually go and see a film based on a video game that mm. nobody involved with it seemed to understand what a video game was. Yeah, what, it's really sad. What made it so popular? Yeah. in the first place. I mean, mm. something like Street. Anyone who plays Street Fighter knows what makes Street Fighter so iconic. Okay, the music. It had really memorable melodies mm. that you find yourself humming. You only hear it once. The moves, the special moves. For goodness sakes, yeah. every character had their Important. unique special moves. The costumes, the the level designs and the locations, and the fact that everyone just had unique characters. I mean, it, it broke out in the fighting game genre by giving you every every person had their favorite fighter, mm. you know. And none of those elements you could go across the board were in the movie. And you think, well, that's the first place you should start. Get those, tick those things off, and you're likely to have a movie that people are going to enjoy. So. I thought, if no one's going to do it, I'm going to do it. So me and Chris started writing a treatment. And cut a long story short, I did a business plan and a release strategy and partnered with a production company and pitched to Capcom. Flew over to LA, pitched the licensing, went to San Francisco, mm. pitched to their marketing department and got some funding off them. To They believed in the vision I pitched to them and... Um, and I made this short to release at the same time as Street Fighter Four. How long did it take? Did it take you to make the short? Oh God, we shot it in two and a half days. Really, wow. two and a half days, and we didn't get the finance didn't come through for it until I think ten days before we shot. 
So even those amazing costumes you see were all fitted, made, broken down within an eight-day period. The guy who played Ryu, John Fu, only flew into the country eight days before we finished filming. So we had no time to pull this thing together. I mean, it was right. That was our dress rehearsal. You know, there was going to be more Akuma in it, and I played Akuma, but because we didn't have time to get the materials through the prosthetics, the first one that came out just didn't work enough. So we thought rather than putting in an Akuma that's not fulfilling the, the dream of it, Let's have less of him and focus on Ryu right, and Ken. Right. Yeah, because Akuma really needs... He's the Vader of the kind of um, Street Fighter universe and needs to be done right. So, yeah, I think we pulled off a pretty incredible feat in such a small space of time, and it was mm. below freezing. People don't realize that they were in barefoot, wearing barely anything, and it got below. There was ice on the ground. <laughs> where, and, where did you shoot it? Uh, Ashridge Estate in Hertfordshire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know... We found it because it had beech trees and we needed to find vegetation that resembled Japanese kind of forests and stuff. So the plan was always to do a series. You know, I never actually went to LA planning to do a short. I went and pitched a series and they were like, great, we love it. So who's going to fund it? And I was like, <laughs> you guys, hopefully. And they're like, doesn't work like that. You know, licensing exploits the brand. Yeah. We don't have a pot of money yeah. to invest in stuff. That would be a big IP deal with Japan. But there's a new game coming out. Maybe marketing may give you some money from their marketing budget if you release something that's going to raise brand awareness when the game comes out. So the plan was always to do a series. And a lot of people said, so what's happening? Why isn't this series? And to let anyone who's into Street Fighter Legacy know, we've been working flat out since that short came out. I mean, it's been a full-time job for me, writing round the clock um writing round the clock on this um and um we're really close we're almost there basically Exciting. and the plan is to do a series basically okay uh i don't want to give too much away because it's not official but we're working on closing a deal with capcom and uh a lot has done we've scouted locations already where we're going to shoot a lot of the HODs and some of the key cast have been cast and, and the scripts. I mean, they are your dream, basically. And it starts to give a little away. We're not going to start with a World Warrior tournament story, which is what everyone's familiar with, Bison's tournament. That's what we wrote originally. So we've already written that material, but we want to go back to the Japan story of Ryu and Ken style, how they learnt Hado, how Ken came to be in Japan training with Ryu, more about Goken, more about Goken's brother, Goki, who becomes Akuma, and almost the, the three generations of that style, the Ansatsuken fighting style that they all use. And there's a really cool, epic, you know, think Last Samurai, that anyone who's into those classic Japanese stories, because obviously the story beyond then opens up because you're dealing with people from all over the world and it's a less Japan-centric mm. story, but this first one is a real warrior's tale you know and i wanted to write it in a way that you feel like you're training with ryu and ken so by the time they're cast out into the world you feel like you've graduated and you know you've done a doctorate in and satsuken and the hado we're not just going to gloss over quick two minute montage and now they're doing fireballs you know they have to earn it and you as a reader really go through that journey and get into 
the mythology of it in the way that Star Wars draws everyone yeah. in with the Force, you know? It's almost like there are probably fans who could write a PhD on the laws of the Star Wars universe and the Force and Sith and all that. And this is what we've built um, with Street Fighter. And the last thing to note is that for anyone who's a hardcore Street Fighter fan, you've got what's regarded as the canon of the Street Fighter story as told by the games. Then you've got the anime movies, Street Fighter 2, the animated movie, Street Fighter Alpha and Street Fighter Alpha Generations. They... Some of the story plots told in them are not regarded as true canon by Capcom. This is what's odd, although it's an officially sanctioned yeah, yeah. Capcom piece. So in Street Fighter Alpha Generations, they hint to the fact that Ryu is Akuma's son. But Capcom will go on record and say, that is not the case. We are not saying that that is what's happened. Mm. So in writing this script, we had to stay true to the canon, but also take into account all those other presented backstory plots developed by the anime. So... We're not discounting. We've managed to crack away that contains everything. So if you're one of those people that really loves... I like the route they took in the anime. And for lack of any other explanation, that's the backstory I believe is there. All of that has been encompassed. You At least know? you're not doing a Nintendo movie. I mean, there have been about nine Links and Zeldas in the Zelda series. That would be really confusing <laughs> yeah. for all of that to be canon. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, fingers crossed, guys. Mm. Hopefully soon, if all goes well, you know, there can be an official announcement. Well, you'll have to let us know and we'll uh, put something up on the site as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Joey, we're nearly out of time, but just what, what on earth has... Uh, what, do you remember the one point where you thought, fucking hell, Street Fighter, that's it. That's what... I, it's just everything to me. Was there a point Was it when you first played the game or later on in life or when was it? I think... I mean, I, I played obviously Street Fighter 2 when it came out on the SNES. I was always a Sega guy back in the day. So when it came out on the Mega Drive and the six-button pad came out, it was game over, basically. <laughs> I was made. I think it was just captivating. The styles and myself, it motivated for me to want to do all the acrobatics that I do and stuff as as a martial artist. You know, I, I, I train in this stuff. So Street Fighter has influenced a lot of the techniques that are done. So when you do a back somersault with a kick, it's called a flash kick. And that name has been taken from Giles. That's really flash cool. Kick. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. And I can do a flash kick. Can you I can do, do a Tatsumaki. I can't do a Hadouken yet. Right. <laughs> He's, He's working, working on, it. on it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it hit me when it hit everyone else when the game first came. I followed the series throughout Alpha series and Marvel vs. What would you like best? Because 4, obviously, a lot of people who previously swarmed by Street Fighter 2 was like, 4 is the one. It's yeah, one. I mean, four arcade edition is what I play at the moment. Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Mm. I still prefer two probably slightly more to the play style and the character choice of MVC 2. But three, yeah, I'm all over it, <laughs> you know. Wicked. Sweet. Well, awesome. I think we pretty much have to leave it there. We're completely out of time. We've done yeah. an hour. I could have talked, could have talked for about another hour. Yeah. So, but Joe, you're going to have to come in and see us again. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Actually, we won't let you leave. We'll just keep you in the cupboard until the until next. Until the next. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Well, it was a pleasure, guys. Um, <laughs> what's happening this weekend, Chris? This weekend, I'm doing a little thing at Leicester Square. So I don't know if anyone will hear this before Friday lunchtime, but I'm interviewing stuntman Vic Armstrong, who mm. Joe will be aware of, kind of the the world's most famous stuntman, pretty much, who who doubled for Harrison Ford in all the Indiana Jones movies, and he's done Bond and Superman and Spider Man. How and old Terminator. is he now? 
Got to be 60s, I would say, now. Is he gonna, is, he's about he, the same age as, as Harrison Ford. Does he still do stunts? Not really. He does a lot of second unit. He, he On The Amazing Spider-Man this summer, he was directing action sequences. Oh, so really cool. He's moved into that world. And both his sons... I'm reading his autobiography as quickly as possible. <laughs> um, both his sons are stuntmen as well. Cool. So, um, yeah, I'm doing a Q&A with him in Leicester Square Friday lunchtime. Uh, they're reopening Leicester Square, having spent six months doing up in time for the Olympics. So... Yep. I popped down last night and it looks lovely. And then Sunday they're doing a day of horror stuff to celebrate Fright Fest being in Leicester Square. So I'll be talking about horror on stage at lunchtime again and there's a quiz and a zombie contest. So Leicester Square this weekend's looking good. Cool. And I'm having a barbecue, but you're not invited. Oh. Just thought I'd put that out there. Has anyone else got anything to plug? No. What about Joey, what have you got coming up in the pipeline at, at Beyond uh, Snow White? Yeah, we'll see Snow White May 30th. Go see it. Cool film, dark take. Dark, I dark kick, and I, kick, I really f stuff up. That's <laughs> all I'll say. You know what? I mean? When you'll see it, you'll be oh, you know, you're having a great time, and I really ruin stuff in the film. <laughs> so um, <laughs> you don't ruin the film, do you? I, well, people will hate. Some people say yes, <laughs> people are dying. <laughs> but other people, they know you've ruined it. So yeah. go see that. That's going to be one of the big films this summer. I did a great film called The Number Station with John Cusack and Malin Ackerman, the wonderful Silk Spectre from Watchmen. Mm. Oh, The Number Station, that sounds intriguing. It's very cool. Yeah. The script was amazing. Is and it about number stations? Well, those broadcast yeah, stations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is oh, about fuck, that. I love that stuff. <laughs> love that stuff. And we What's shot in a station? genuine World War II, Cold War, US military nuclear bunker wow. in Ipswich they're still there it's, and it's all the tech the 60s tech Brilliant. the war room with DEFCON 1 to it it was amazing cool what do you not know number what station? number stations no, me and Luke are both yeah. like, if, you have, if you've got like an old transistor radio and you, you're very careful with your tuning you can occasionally hear these these uh, stations that, that just repeat number sequences like over and Lost? over again well, I guess I never saw Lost, but I guess it's that kind of thing. But the most famous one is, I think, is the Lincolnshire Poacher, which just plays that tune over and over and over again. Uh, and they're all they're they're very weird. Do a do a search on the internet on number stations, and you honestly oh, you'll, be, you'll be you'll be just fa- nobody knows. Nobody don't, knows. don't do that. Go and see Joey's film. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good to know about because these things are real. They're yeah. used for for communicating messages that are so sensitive that no normal means of communication could be used. So yeah. The way it works, someone broadcasts numbers, you would have a cipher book and line up those numbers with the broadcast you're hearing, and that would decode a message or a target. Yeah. Then you would burn that page and it's gone. So it's a very super secure way of of giving out mission orders or briefings or whatever, targets for hits. Um so there's that there's a film called UFO. It's the working title, whether it may change. Um a UK alien invasion movie. So think Sweet. Independence Day type thing, big sea-sized ships, but it's got Van Damme in it. <laughs> nice work. Yeah, in the UK, it's got Van Damme's daughter in it, Bianca Brie. It's got uh, Pierce Brosnan's son, Sean Brosnan, who's amazing <laughs> in it. Sean Pertwee's in it. Julian Glover's in it. Um, Does Sean Pertwee make it through to the end for a change? <laughs> Please say yes. I can't give you spoilers, <laughs> uh, but he is good in it. But that film has some phenomenal action. The director, Dominic Hawthorne, um, was, we worked really well together. And when we discussed, he said, he basically said to me, Joe, I want the best fight in UK cinema history. Sweet. And I said, like we've discussed about action, I'm going to need to choreograph it. 
going to need to be in it or you want me to be in it. I need to sort of action direct it, get the coverage I need mm. and oversee the edit. And that's been possible. And I'm really excited with the results. So I can't wait for you guys to, to see that. That's Brilliant. Awesome. Ideal stuff. Excellent. We're on that bombshell. Yeah. <laughs> Best action sequence in UK cinema oh history. Oh bombshell. In the face. Uh, if you liked anything you heard today, drop us a line yeah. and tell us anything what you thought. Anything at all. Just literally anything, really. Anything or, you've heard today. Or if Not you even hated just anything podcast. you heard today. Tell us uh, IGN UK feedback IGN.com or it's IGN UK on Twitter and yeah. Facebook. If you did hate something, tell us and leave your address and we'll send Joey around. Yes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. To do one of those kicks he talked about earlier. Flash kick. Joey, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody, and we will see you the same time next week. Take care. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.